From the time we start kindergarten to when we graduate high school, we are taught by the secular education system that Darwinism is the foundation of all life. Now, what is the truth behind Darwinism and what it stands for? And how is that all tied in to the Marxist worldview in which our culture is being propelled into? Is there any merit to the radical claim that Christianity is the quote-unquote white man's religion? What's the history behind that? And speaking of objective truths, are signs and wonders biblically, objectively true for today? We get into all this and more with my friend, Kevin Thomas. You may know him as KingCat 2.0 on Instagram. In this episode, he shares his testimony and we talk about all of the above. This has been a long time coming. Kevin has been a friend of mine for about a year now. He actually has played such an integral role in my walk with the Lord, which you're gonna hear us talk more about in this episode. He is amazing. The Holy Spirit has just imparted the gift of wisdom, the gift of revelation knowledge into him in a way in which I truly have not heard anyone else be able to so eloquently, linguistically communicate and make sense of the world, the culture, the society through a biblical worldview. And he's really just so great at talking about the church, about the world. But I'll let all of that speak for itself. Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. Today, I'm so excited because I have my friend and brother in Christ, Kevin, on with me. You know him as KingCat2.0 on Instagram, 2.0, because his first account got uh, zucked. And so (laughs) um, here we are. This conversation has been a long time coming. I've really wanted him on the show for a long time, but it worked out all in God's timing, all in God's will. Actually, I really couldn't think of a better time for this to be happening So I'm going to just take it away with him. Kevin, can you tell us who you are and what you do for those of us that don't know? Um, So, hey, everybody. So my name is Kevin. I practically, by God's grace, have been giving the platform I've been given on Instagram and probably everywhere else, whether that's Twitter or um, YouTube. Um, And so technically what what I've been doing for the past, man, I don't even know how long, maybe two and a half going on three years is just basically been trying to help everyone else, including myself really navigate through the times that we're living in and and whether that be politically or spiritually or through the church and just trying to, trying to fit all these major and minor moving pieces together in a cohesive way so that people can just really see through the fluff of the deception that we're seeing right now whether it's like i said whether it's in a church or whether it's in culture and just bring everyone to jesus which is the main goal amen and for those of you that don't know already um i am one of those people that god used kevin to kind of lead out of the deception because i had followed you i had followed you since 2020 when everything went down Um, And you were always offering a perspective through a biblical framework, which at the time I was obviously very new age. So 
Mm. I was still able to, because I was hungry for the truth. So I was able to see the truth as much as I could at the time. And so I was really receptive to what you were putting out. And, you know, I grew to respect you and admire you and trust what you were saying. And so it's because of that, that I did end up reaching out to you when yeah, I was I really straddling the fence of new ageism and Christianity. And I was like, Hey, don't you think astrology could be used for good? And you were like, no, here's why. And you gave me scripture. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just very convicting and very edifying. And that's kind of what really got the dominoes rolling. So wow. thank you for how you have allowed God to use you in that, in those ways. So I guess I don't really, I don't really know too much about your testimony. So I think everyone would be really interested in hearing that, how you really kind of came to know the Lord, if you could get into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I technically grew up um, Catholic and so I came from, I come from a West Indian background. My parents were born and raised in South America, this nice little country called Guyana, not, not too far from Venezuela and Colombia, right on top of Brazil. And so I grew up Catholic, which is, you know, most people who grew up in the Caribbean, they're, they're raised Catholic. And it really wasn't until I would say maybe high school that I really started to ask questions about my faith. Um, my best friend ended up abandoning his faith because we were both raised Catholic. And so unfortunately being raised Catholic, I, I knew nothing about Jesus. Like I was, I, I was taught about the cross. I, I went through communion. Um, I went through all the, the, the ordinances and sacraments and, you know, the obvious things you have to go through. And I was just close to becoming an altar boy, but I ended up leaving that. And in high school, I ended up transitioning because I went to a Catholic uh, middle school, basically from like, I would say probably from like first grade to eighth grade, I was in Catholic school. And in high school, I made a major jump and skipped public school. And so that's a big, major, drastic change. And I started to realize that there is a reason that I acted different as opposed to most of my friends who I did become friends with in public school. And that was because I came from somewhat of, of a faith-based background, not to say the majority of people who come from um, a very public school kind of secular mindset is raised apart from an undervalued value system of God. But that was the majority case of many of my friends that they didn't really go to church. They had no type of religious upbringing or background. And so I realized that, okay, well, Faith in God means a lot. Like it, it means a lot. And so I started to really, I started to really take things a bit seriously about seeking God, seeing God's faith. I still had no idea who God was. I still had no idea the difference between Christianity or Jesus or Muhammad or um, Krishna or, you know, Siddhartha Buddha, or, you know, I had, I had no idea, no understanding about any of that. And so I would say it was really around the time of my junior year that I really started to question, well, yeah, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, how do you become a Christian? Or like, why the Bible? Like, why is the Bible true? Is the Bible true at all? You know, my, my neighbors next door to me and across the street were, were Muslim and Hindu. And so I, I grew up in New York in a very surrounded by a melting pot of many different backgrounds, many different people, many different religions. And so I had obvious questions, you know, anyone who's raised in like that type of atmosphere, you're going to have obvious questions. And so I really started doing digging and started doing homework. 
And right off the bat, I realized that I was not prepared. The church didn't prepare me for um, these conversations. And I started to get very despondent. My mindset started to really hardened because, you know, now that, now that I look back, you know, sometimes we tend to blame the church for everything. You know, it's the church's fault that culture is the way it is. You know, it's, a, it's the church's fault that my son or daughters are atheists, you know, but the church's fault. Um, really, parents do play a big role, a huge role. And my parents played a huge role and, you know, kind of combating that. My dad was a, my dad at the, at the time wasn't entirely like, I, I want to say he didn't have full knowledge of faith, but he would test me like really hard. Like, how do you know the Bible is true? Like, what about aliens? Like he would ask me all these type of weird questions. Like, I don't know that, but I'm gonna find out, you know? So it's, that was my attitude. And, um, but in my discovery, I realized that the church didn't really prepare me for hard conversations. And um, that's when I discovered apologetics and I got real heavy into, you know, guys like Ravi Zacharias at the time, who was just like the go-to person that everyone understood apologetics whether it's you know moral arguments or um, things pertaining to science and it was just or philosophy so it was I really dug down deep on those topics and I would say specifically around that time I had already graduated and my head was starting to get really big because one of the things that people tend to forget about apologetics is you can know so much about arguments and still be so far from God. And so I had a lot of head knowledge and my heart was really hard. Like my heart was very hardened. And you will find that that's also a common thread with a lot of people who, like I said, uh, they love the, I would say the astute, straightforward, cookie cutter answers when it comes to having a quick answer for the faith. You know, that first Peter, um, answer always make sure you have an answer prepared for those who for those who ask of you and so that was me that was me that was my heart and i should say that was my head because my heart really wasn't in it my head was just i go oh, yeah, yeah of course christianity is true because of blah 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 blah. i mean i knew all the arguments <laughs> and um it was wasn't until my really close friend of 13 years had um committed suicide that i realized no matter how good the argument was, I needed a personal relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. because no amount of arguments could really get me through that, that first, those first couple of months, the first six months was really difficult. And so I had to, I had to rediscover God. And I remember, I remember the time distinctly where I put down all those arguments. I put down apologetics for like a, a good year and a half, two years, because I realized that I didn't have a good enough answer for my soul. Mm. And I had all the answers for my head, but my soul was really depleted. And I felt very, 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 very far from God. Like I was reading the Bible and nothing made sense. Um, it literally felt like words on paper. And it was only until my breakdown in my room was just really dark was just listening to, to worship music and I just broke and I said God like I I don't have any good arguments like I just I just need you like I just need you and that was that was the moment I had breakthrough 
you know, and so, I mean, we can go through all the arguments that really start to like really grasp my mind and grasp mm -hmm. my, my perspective about who God is and why God is important and, you know, why God makes sense, why God is a necessity for a culture and for life, but for the human soul and for the heart, um, I needed Jesus and I didn't just need good arguments for God. I needed Jesus and Jesus drastically start to really shift my perspective about what it really meant to to follow him what it really meant to pick up my cross what it really meant to love your neighbor as yourself and so you know but yeah that's 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 pretty that's pretty much that's pretty much my story a little bit yeah that's so good because it's true um when i first became christian i got so wrapped up in apologetics because mm -hmm. I mean, he changed my heart so fast and I, I just wanted to change other people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought if I could change their minds that they would let Jesus change their hearts. But I learned very mm -hmm. quickly. That's not how it works. Yep. Um, especially with my fiance, cause he's like very logical and agnostic. Well, when he was agnostic, he's always yeah. been very logical. So that's the first thing I dove into was like, I'm going to make him believe this by giving him mm -hmm. all the evidence. And it didn't yeah. matter. It didn't matter how much evidence I gave him or how many times, like I, countered him with like how Frank Turek teaches how to counter people, which is so good. Yeah. But what, what, what happened was he was alone with God and God broke him down. Like, and that's yeah. just how it goes. It's, it's God. It's not going to be you. I do think apologetics have their place, but it's not mm -hmm. going to bring people to Christ. Yeah. Uh, that being said though, I am interested to hear, like, as you discuss what truths you came to know, what were those truths? What did that look like for you as you delved into the research of Christianity? Um, really, to be honest, there were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of back and forth turning, turning points for me that really, really completely solidified not only my questions, but my search. Um, one of them was definitely evolution. And before I say this, I know your listeners probably are probably a very skewed or a very astute when it comes to like conversations like that, but evolution was, especially in the mind of a black Christian. And I don't want to, I don't want to use ethnicity as like a way to segue into the conversation, but cultural background plays a huge part in how people look at God. Hmm. And for me, one of the major things for anyone really growing up, in America, let alone in New York City, who's black and claims to be a Christian is, excuse me, is, um, you know, you, you serve the white man's religion, right? You believe mm. in the white, white man's God. And growing up, I knew the, I knew that that rebuttal is just complete and utter nonsense, but I didn't, I didn't understand, like, I didn't know the history of our faith. I didn't know the history of Christianity at all, you know? And so, one of the things that really bothered me was um, that and also evolution. And so, you know, growing up, you, you, you're taught evolution just from jump. Like you're, you're not taught any type of other alternative uh, definition for the, the beginning, right? Or the meaning of life. And evolution tries to answer those questions, try to answer, you know, who you are, where do you come from? What is your purpose and where are you going? Um, and that, that really comes from an atheistic worldview. And so secularism is wrapped up and atheism is wrapped up in the evolutionary theory. And growing up, I didn't, I don't think I really understood how deep that mindset and that 
I'm going to say belief really is ingrained in you until an entrenching outward thought comes and attacks that foundation. And so I remember the conversation I had with my really close friend who's an atheist. And of course, he's he was like in a very adamant, arduous, vehemently against God atheist. Like mm -hmm. he was just militant. And <laughs> we had a conversation about the beginning. And of course, my answer was, well, yeah, the, the beginning was began because of God. And he was like, no, it's, it's, it's evolution. You know, we we came from a primordial soup. And I'm like, well, where did it go? Like the primordial soup just disappeared. Like what happened to it? And so the it really it really kind of dug down deep for me. And I said, well, you know what? If if there is some aspect of truth to this, I should probably I should probably find that out, find out if that's really true. And. What a lot of people tend to not do when they study evolution is, you know, study distinctions between the various kinds and micro and macro evolution. They're extremely different. And so what's taught in school is macro evolution. And, you know, basically the good UV to zoo or, you know, you kind of evolve. We evolved from from primates, apes. Um, of course, there's there's no substantial evidence for that whatsoever. There, there's there's no primary source for such a thing. It's it's literally pseudoscience. Um, but there's evidence for microevolution, it's bacteria, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said, okay, well, what else is there? And then I actually read Darwin's book. Well, a lot of people tend to forget or don't know, because I didn't know at the time, is that Darwin's book, when he wrote it, books back then during 1800s and, and onward, even before Darwin, they had long titles. Like that was like, if you had a long title in your book, you were to go to Darwin's long, his, his long title for his book was um, The Origin of Species, The Preservation of Favored Races. When I first, and that's, that's not how they present the book to you in schools. Not at all. Like it's just The Origin of Species. But when I found out that the longer version of his book was called The Preservation of Favored Species of Races, I said, wait, is Darwin racist? <laughs> you know, that's the first thought that came to my mind. Is Darwin racist? Like, well, what are you talking about? Favored races or favored species? Like, what does that even mean? How does how do you how do you title your book that way? And so when I actually read his book for himself, you find out that Darwin actually believed. And this is this is an actual common belief during that time that black people were subspecies like they weren't even fully human they were subhuman and that was prevalent not just in the scientific community it was prevalent within churches churches used to preach and teach that black people were subhumans and they were not they could not be fully saved because they were not fully human and only humans could be saved yeah, it's bonkers it's wild but that's what was taught <laughs> that's what was taught back then and so when i discovered that i said what the heck? <laughs> I'm like, wait, hold up. So you mean to tell me this is taught in school? Dar Darwin Darwinian evolution is taught in school, but we're not taught that Darwin was an advent racist. Like he he was just like like how did we miss this? You know. And so like if you think about what's going on today, whether it was with BLM or with um uh you know this whole thing with white supremacy and critical race theory. Why have they not canceled Darwin? You know, 
Why is why is Darwin not canceled? Why is Charles Darwin and Darwinian evolution still taught in school? Why have we not canceled that? And that's because the ideology of Darwin Darwinian evolution is the undergirding for Marxism. And if you cancel Darwin, you'll have to cancel Karl Marx, because Karl Marx was also an Advent atheist, who's and he was also an Advent proponent of Darwinian evolution. And so, if you knock down that that uh, that domino, all the other dominoes after will fall. And so that it, it started to creep up with them, creep up on me intellectually, and I said, okay, that that makes us, that makes sense as to why Darwinian evolution will never, never stop being taught because it's the political underworking of where we're at today in our society. And the, that that was the rabbit hole for me to many other rabbit holes intellectually about faith and the importance of God and most importantly, the importance of Jesus because many evolutionists during their time, they didn't just hate religion, they hated Christianity it was Christianity they were vehemently opposed to because Christianity was the only worldview and framework that directly attacked their framework of evolutionary theory. And that is that God in the beginning, God, just the very first sentence in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That one verse completely is antithetical to what is taught in evolutionary theory. And after that, I just kind of, like I said, I went down the rabbit hole of, of just asking normal questions. Like, okay, if if they hate Christianity so much, let me find out why. What is it about Jesus that these people cannot stand? You know, what is it about Jesus that these people just cannot tend to um, tolerate? You know, and so we live in a we live in a, a very straightforward culture that says, you know, they're about tolerance. They're about tolerant about everything else but Jesus and Christians. So it's, for me, it was, it was very much a, a downward spiral into a rabbit hole that I realized if, if I find the truth, no matter what it is, and if Jesus says, and this is, this is what I said when I first started my search, Jesus, you said that you are the way, the truth, and the life. If you are the way, no matter which way I go, you'll show up. Hmm. And you're the truth. That means I'll find you because hmm. you'll be right there where every lie is. And so that was just, that was literally my, I don't even think it was a prayer. I just simply said it out loud and I said, okay. And if I find out Lord that you're the life and I can't find life anywhere else other than you, then I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. And I'm going to make sure everyone that comes into contact with me knows that. And that was my promise. That was just, that was just my declaration at the time of my search. And, you know, long story short, I just, I went gun ho in. Like, I, there, I, there'd be nights I would stay up till like three, four, five o'clock in the morning just reading or watching videos. Or it was, it was a huge, the summer of 2015 or 16 was just, I don't remember sleeping that summer. That's all I can say. I do not, I do not recall going to sleep a lot because I was just hungry. I don't think I've never been hungry for the truth before in the way that I was hungry during those years. And I'm, I'm still super hungry, but it, it, the beginning of searching for Jesus and trying to find him, 
and and we say that kind of flippantly as if jesus is lost he's not lost we're the ones that are lost but i just didn't know like i didn't know at the time i'm like jesus i'm gonna find you i'm gonna find you if, if, no matter where you are i'm gonna find you and that was my heart my heart was i'm gonna find but like i said that was this was during like my apologetics uh moments and so but it was evolution that really got me on the road to specifically as someone who comes from like queens new york who's like i pretty much grew up around like a lot of most most of my friends were in gangs and so like you, you hear the cons of, of, of uh you know you believe in the white man's religion blah, blah 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 and so i i had to find an answer for that and so when I further started digging into history, not just evolution, but history. Um, I realized that a lot of a lot of the church fathers from like the first five centuries of Christianity were African, mm. you know, like uh, Tertullian or uh, Minucius Felix or Cyprian or um, St. Augustine. You know, these are these are African church fathers. And so. Um, whether or not they had my skin tone or skin texture or they're lighter, they're African. And so when I discovered that, I said, oh, smokes, like <laughs> I've been lied to again. <laughs> you know? So, so it, it was it was a big it was a big wake up call for me to learn that a lot of the popular catchphrases in our culture mm literally have absolutely no historical backdrop to it when it comes to searching for the truth and at that point in time i said okay well i need to figure out now because the main cusp of you know being saved by by jesus is is he god right that's that was the main for me that was i was like if i find out jesus is really god like forget it like I, I, there's nothing else i don't need anything else i just need to find out for sure that he's god because one of my friends across the street from me, um, she's Muslim, and we grew up together. Uh, we would I, would I would always be over across the street at her house, or she would be across the street at my house. Like we were we were all friends, and so it wasn't until after high school, like during my college years, that I really started to to see that there's a stark difference between Islam and Christianity, and it was mainly because of Jesus and Muhammad. And so, of course, you. I've never heard anyone go back and forth with a Muslim about the topic of is Jesus God? And this was during a time where I realized that the deity of Christ is a huge deal, like a, an extremely big deal. Because if Jesus is not God and he, he did not come in the flesh, we're still in our sins. And he, he technically, according to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says we are we are the most to be pitied. And so the first time I read 1 Corinthians 15, I realized 1 Corinthians 15 and John chapter 17. Um, they were like night and day for me, specifically John 17, where Jesus had asked his father in his high priestly prayer, you know, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you from since the beginning. And for me, it was like, mind blown you mean to tell me you were with god in the beginning you know so mm -hmm. so for me it was a lot of those things kind of were like the culmination but for me that was it that was all i needed i was like okay you really are who you said you are you know and one of my favorite things that jesus had ever said was that you cannot take my life from me 
I give my life and I have the power to take it back up again. And there are so many mic drop moments for me reading through the scriptures, specifically the book of John, where I'm like, how did I miss, how did I miss, how did I miss this? Why did no one tell me this? And I just, I just remember how elated and how amazing it felt to finally find these gems, like this treasure, you know? And so um, in the book of Psalms, it says that deep calls out to deep. And I was, I was really calling out to the Lord from a deep place in my soul where I knew I wanted answers. I know I wanted the truth, but I didn't realize that truth wasn't just some philosophical aspect or argument. Truth is a person mm. and his name is Jesus. And I didn't, I didn't have that revelation. The Holy spirit didn't open that up to me until that moment. And I said, wow, I've been arguing philosophically and metaphorically and morally all this time. And I should have just grabbed onto this person. I should have just grabbed onto him and just held onto him. And um, I believe it was first Corinthians where, you know, Paul's Paul's letter to the church. And he says, you know, the carnal man cannot perceive spiritual things. And the Holy spirit had to, ascertain and reveal that truth to my spirit for me to receive it and i will never forget how it made me it, it literally felt for the first time that like i was someone sparked me to life that's mm. how it felt and i'm getting chills just thinking about it and um at that moment i realized okay jesus is he really is god he is lord he is, he is savior and I'm going to make him my everything. And like I said, there, there are so many different other moments in that, but that, that was, that was the culmination for me. Um, discovering that there is a huge difference between Islam and Christianity and that the main issue is the deity of Christ and coming to understand that yeah, Jesus is God. And he proved that by raising himself from the dead raising from the dead and so it's just yeah <laughs> that's amazing i love every bit of what you just said thanks for sharing that um some things that i wrote down while you were talking i want to ask you like how because i get this all the time like all the time people are in my comments calling me racist because i'm calling out new age practices yeah. and you know i'm just i'm just a white girl that like fell for the patriarchy and all those things so where <laughs> does that come from like people calling this the white man's religion <laughs> Um, really, it comes from a misconception of slavery, you know, and so most of most of that conversation has been completely thrown off and misconstrued and just completely thrown into our faces because we live in a very polarized culture. And because our culture is just very, um, I, I don't want to say argumentative, but the the complete face of racism has a spirit behind it and that spirit does not want to be cast out <laughs> uh contrary to like what everything that's going on right now that spirit is very very much girded in an anti is an antichrist spirit and so if you can confuse people with truth 
and say that it's specific to an ethnic group, then you could kind of excuse yourself from accepting the truth, right? And so I'll explain it this way. If I can say Christianity is a white man's religion, everyone who's not white doesn't have to accept its truth, mm. right? But a truth is not, is not founded on an ethnic an ethnicity is not it's not founded on whether or not someone's black white asian it, truth is absolute and so whether or not that truth means that someone who's white gave it or someone who's asian gave it it doesn't disregard whether or not it's absolutely true and so <clears throat> another reason second reason as to why it's so that argument is so prevalent is because people don't know how to critically think anymore Hmm. We haven't been taught how to critically think. And I, I wasn't taught how to critically think about that because for me, someone who's who's black, my first go-to in the back of my mind, even if I didn't say it out loud, is like, yeah, you know, you know, it's true. Christianity was pretty much brought to America by white people. You don't think, right? You don't really, you don't really think about it too much because it's just a talking point and you kind of, you're kind of just okay with a talking point because it's just culturized. Um, but like I said, back to objective truth, if Christianity is objectively true, it doesn't matter whether or not someone who gave it was white or black or Asian. You know, our the foundation of our faith is a person, it's Jesus. And so if Jesus is God, he claimed to be God, if he came in the flesh, if he died on the cross, was buried and rose three days again, it's objectively true whether or not he's white or black or Asian or whatever, or, or whether or not the messenger is white or black or Asian or whatever. So when you understand what the real foundational truth is of the faith, then you're like, okay, well, it really doesn't matter if the messenger is white. It really doesn't matter if the messenger is Asian or black or African or, or Hispanic. It, it doesn't matter. The, the culmination of our faith is Christ is Jesus. And, like I said, the because we live in such a polarized culture where everything has been so politicized and has been politicized on purpose, because if you can if you can reduce the truth to just a racial issue or a, a racial argument, you can pretty much disregard it altogether. And then and then what I can do is I can pick apart Jesus and make him what I want him to be. And that's why New Age is such a very prevalent belief, because you could pretty much pick and choose the type of Jesus you want, or you don't, you can probably just accept Christ consciousness and you can completely devoid Jesus, Jesus of his personhood and just make it a, a universal consciousness. And I think that's another thing that is so deceptive that the church, the body of Christ has just completely avoided or disregarded altogether is because, um, we have not upheld the truth of the gospel to its rightful standard. And we, of course, haven't really trusted the Holy Spirit in terms of really being led by him and how to handle these, these issues. And quite frankly, for me, for my, for my, for my perspective, I really do believe that relying fully on the Holy Spirit in the times that we're living in will literally be a life and death type of thing because right now what we're seeing in our church in the body of Christ is progressive Christianity has so overwhelmed the truth of the gospel that a lot of people can't even discern 
what the gospel truth is or the gospel messages anymore. And they've just made the gospel a gospel of love. You know, it's about love and it's about acceptance. And it's about tolerance. And they've completely devoid the gospel of power. Mm. And that's that's where we are. And I really do believe that the Holy Spirit right now in in the hour that we're living in is he's he's bringing back the fear of God to the church, to the body of Christ again. And it's not just needed. We're seeing it like we're seeing a move of the Holy Spirit that we've been praying for. And I just pray that the rest of the body of Christ can just accept the truth of the power of God, the message of God, the fear of God, and just let God do what he wants to do for, for his bride. And see, that's why I said the timing of this is perfect because <laughs> it really is so on par with everything else. And I say all the time that um, new age is like build a bear spirituality. You just kind of like pick what you want and then just create this comfy little bear that you like. Like you pick parts of the Christianity that you like and Hinduism that you like and Buddhism yeah. that you like. And then you have your little build a bear. Like it's, yeah. but but that's not exactly what you said. That's not objective truth. Mm -hmm. um, and what you said about the gospel being power, that's so good. That's so good. And I think that just scares a lot of people in and out of the church. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I don't want to cut you off. I want to, just, I want mm -hmm. to just go off what you were just saying. We have, we have intellectualized the gospel and the gospel was never meant to be intellectualized. You know, Paul said, I did not come to you with persuasive speech. And when you read first Corinthians 420, <laughs> funny story. The first time I heard about four, first Corinthians 420, it was because, <laughs> it's because I was in New York and, you know, 420, if you, if you ever smoked weed is the day for weed smoking. So the first time I read it, I was, I was, I was with my friend and, you know, he's like, yo, Kevin, you want to get high? I'm like, nah, I'm good. And I, I said, I said such this, this, this joke was just so corny, but I was reading first Corinthians chapter four, verse 20. And I was like, yeah, I get high every day though. And he's like, what you talking about? Like, I talked to the most high. <laughs> like, about? I'm like, yeah, because the kingdom of God is not talk, but power. Mm. First Corinthians four twenty, And I would never forget that verse has always stuck with me because of that moment, but it's true. The kingdom of God is not talk. And we have done a lot of talking. We have done a lot of hyper intellectualism in regards to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And because we live in a culture now that is so hyper-spiritual, I believe that what God is doing is he's forcing the church to get outside of herself, outside of her comfortable intellectualized arguments that pretty much is all she's been doing. That There's power in preaching the word of God, but also in demonstration of, of his word. And and that's exactly what Paul says in Romans 15 is that he has, he had came with the word and, but the word was not devoid of signs and wonders, you know? And so what we're seeing today is we're seeing not, not some type of charismatic movement. No, this is just a movement of God. Mm. And we have gotten very comfortable in the body of Christ, just preaching intell intellectualized messages. And we've, we've gotten really comfortable of just talking about God and not displaying his power. And I do believe that the time for that, the time for just talk is over because the, this generation, Gen Z, and they're, 
there's a word for them. It's called they're they're called indigo children. In other words, they're so inquisitive spiritually that um this generation has never encountered a generation that is so inquisitive spiritually. You can be inquisitive intellectually, right? You can want to know things, you want to know what what causes the the sun to rise or or the moon to rise or the sun to set or you want to know, you know, how much uh, how fast is a heartbeat? You know, you you want to know like fact, factual things, things pertain to to truth in the natural world. But this generation wants to know truth not pertaining to the natural world alone, but they want to know truth pertaining to the spiritual world and the spiritual realm. And that's not something that you can intellectualize, right? Mm -hmm. I know friends who used to astral project for fun. You know, I I know friends who used to be able to um to leave their body, come back. I, I used I used to hear crazy stories. I'm like, um, I just have my Bible and I'm gonna go to church. <laughs> you know, so that was that was me. And so I I had to I've had my own supernatural experiences with the Lord in and out of church that made me realize that you know the supernatural world or realm or supernatural truth is real and you can't avoid it. And I do believe where we're at today in church is that the church and the body of Christ, every member, um, honorable vessel, dishonorable vessel, quote unquote, um, is going to be forced to accept that, is going to be forced to accept that the supernatural realm is real, that demons are real, that casting them out is real, and most importantly, that the new age is real. Mm. And so, you know, I, I, I find it funny. A lot of our older brothers and sisters who are in the faith, they know a lot about the intellectual arguments about new age and the practices about new age, but they still deny the supernatural backdrop and foundation of the new age. And this generation is forcing us out of our comfort zone to say, okay, you see what we're doing. You're seeing the witchcraft. You're seeing the seances. You're seeing the you're seeing the rituals. You're see, you're seeing and hearing about astral projecting. You're seeing and hearing about conversations about aliens and alien abductions, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what are you going to do about it? You know. So it's almost like those in the new age are trying to call the church's bluff and be like, mm. "I, you see us. What you going to do?" And God is. <laughs> I really do believe God is. God is like pushing, pushing the bride, pushing his bride. Like, okay, I need you to go handle this until I come. Mm. Cause I'm like, I'm coming very quickly and I need you to go display the kingdom until I come. And so, yeah. Um, I'm glad we went there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I've been just realizing a lot recently because coming out of new age, like I said, I jumped right into apologetics because once I knew Jesus was true, I wanted everyone else to know it too. And so I did the same thing. I tried to intellectualize it. Because everything in New Age was so supernatural, I wanted to be able to explain Jesus to people. Yeah. Um, and I put up a lot of walls, I guess, um, because I had very, very real supernatural experiences when I was in New Age, like very real. Like I did astral project. I experienced all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I felt energy in my hands and and things like that. I felt things like leave and enter my body. Mm -hmm. Um and so it's like when you come to Christ with this like new age backdrop, there's a lot of trauma there and you're, you're like, you've experienced the dark side of it. So you're almost not even willing to even consider that there's a light side. But the thing is, right. we talk all the time in new age about how it's all a counterfeit. 
And I just literally like weeks ago, I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's all counterfeit. This is literally what I preach all the time. And so if there's a counterfeit, what does that mean? Right. There's an authentic. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's not like new age. I'm sorry. It's not like the church infiltrate a new age. It's the other right. way around. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, this is I'm glad we went there because I'm yeah. I, I'm what? just talking more and more about this because it, it really is um it really is where God's pushing me. Right. We we have to we have to go there. And I think, like I said, I think the church is an it's an it's an inevitable topic and way that where the church is gonna be forced to go in that direction because many of the people who are in New Age who have, you know, got pretty much trapped or sucked into it come from traumatized backgrounds. And God desires to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, that's that's one of the, if you read Isaiah hmm. 61, one of the things that the Messiah or the servant, the suffering servant has come to do is he's going to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's what people who are traumatized are. They're brokenhearted. And they're, they, they're trying to find a way to fix that broken heart, whether it is to, you know, find a way to um, understand self, find a way to heal self find a way to um, uh, destroy the, the memories or the mindset that that caused the traumatized um, encounters or just completely tap the traumatizing feeling altogether where they don't feel anything at all. You know, and so all of those, all of those kind of um, instances of trauma is exactly what God wants to deal with. But in order mm -hmm. for you to deal with, you got to get your hands dirty. And that's what a lot of people don't want to do, because if you're going to deal with if you're going to deal with people who have been traumatized, you're going to have to get down to their level. You're going to have to enter into their their their, their trauma, per se, and bring Jesus. Because if we're the hands and feet of Jesus, that means if I lay my hands on the sick, I'll see them recover because this is what his word says. And if I pray for those who are broken hearted, we will see their broken hearts mended. But we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're seeing right now in the hour that we're living in, in terms of, you know, super. And this is also part of my source. So it's not like we're going like off the train, mm -hmm. but also part of how the Lord had really opened up to me that, yeah, the supernatural world is extremely real. Um, Satanism is very real. New Age is very real. It's everywhere. It's in our culture. It's prevalent within our education system. It's prevalent within um, our ideologies is prevalent within our entertainment. It's prevalent within our music. And I could talk about that for hours. And so it's just one of those things where when you realize it's everywhere, you have to also come to the con to the conclusion and understanding, that, okay, because it's everywhere, who the heck put it there? You know, it's like, I know it's not God. And so it has to be, the the counterfeit has to come from someone who has been around the authentic, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And when you find out that Lucifer, according to Second Corinthians verse four, is the god of this world, and Jesus said that he's a liar and he's a he's a father of lies, he's been lying from since the beginning. Everything starts to make sense, and so a lot of people talk about the Matrix and you know how the Matrix is set up, whether it's you know the military complex or the government or um, the the ideologies that we see, whether it's with Marxism or philosophies or whether it's with the music and all that other extra stuff and entertainment. Um, it came from him, you know, and so what we have to see in this hour and what I had to see was I had to acknowledge that the supernatural realm is real. The occult is real. The new age is real. Um, 
And there is a way to combat that. And the only way to combat that is with the light of Christ. And it wasn't some type of uh, Christ consciousness. No, this power comes from a person. You know, I need to be born again. I need to enter into a supernatural kingdom so that I can be filled with supernatural power and power of the Holy Spirit to really combat what we're seeing. And it was only until I... I acknowledged and accepted that truth because you can acknowledge it. Right. But what we're seeing today is the friction between accepting it. Hmm. And so we have a lot of brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who have a specific ideological framework in the body of Christ who will not accept it. They don't want to accept. They've acknowledged it. Like they've acknowledged that it's real. They've, they've acknowledged that the new age is full of the occult. It's full of a lot of undertones of Satanism. Sometimes it's just full on, full on Satanism in your face. Um, but for the most part, coming to the acceptance is is rather difficult because they have a specific framework mentally, and they have accepted certain doctrines mentally that have completely become an entire worldview around this the the worldview of our faith that is preventing them from accepting the obvious truth. And that is that, yeah, demons are real. The supernatural is real. And the sooner we accept and not just acknowledge it, but the sooner we accept this reality, the sooner we can see people get set free, the sooner we can see people delivered, the sooner we can see people accept the full knowledge of the truth of the gospel. And so I, I, I have, I'm hopeful. I'm extremely hopeful to the to the signs of time that we're seeing and everything that's being unraveled, because and at this point, how could you not? You know, we're seeing all the signs point to the return, um, the obvious inevitable return of our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And at this point, it's like the only way for me to not be excited is for me to not really know. Right. What's going on. And so. The quicker we acknowledge, the quicker we accept, the quicker it'd be, uh, the quicker we can help the rest of the body accept and acknowledge that, yeah, this is the truth. Mm. This is what's going on. Now, let's just get to work. Let's just get to work together because I, I, I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. I'm no better than my brother. I'm no better than my sister because we're all members of the same body. And, but yeah. So what do you say to people? Because this is something as I'm starting to be more bold about this particular kind of topic, you know, basically just um, just renouncing all the cessationism that I fell into my first year as a Christian. So something that I was just asked, um, how would you respond to someone that's saying something along the lines of, you know, this was all these signs and wonders. It was just for the Bible, like once once it said amen on that final page, like that's it, you know, the rest is up to God. We just kind of have to sit and wait for him to reveal himself sort of thing. Well, quite frankly, I would, I would just question their assumption. You know, I would just ask questions when you say it's final, that's it. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Can you, can you show me explicitly? Where does it say that? Like, I, I, I just need a chapter and verse. Because if you can find a chapter and verse where it says explicitly that these things have ceased, explicitly that this is no more, explicitly that it ended with the apostles, explicitly that it ended with the first century church. Okay, 
I'll accept it. But there's not one explicit objective scripture that points to that. A matter of fact, we have a plethora of scriptures that point to the opposite effect of that. And so if I'm going to be as objective as I can be with scripture, Mm. Hmm. I would have to acknowledge that these things have not ceased. And it's not to be argumentative, it's just to acknowledge the obvious truth. These things have not ceased. There's no objective scripture that you can point to to force me to see something that's not in scripture, right? And so when I, I do believe, like I said, what we're seeing in the body of Christ is we're seeing this friction. We're seeing this tension because mm-hmm. they know that there's no specific objective scripture or scriptures that point to that. But what the, what we're seeing with this tension is that we're seeing people, like I said before, they have acknowledged, but they don't want to accept it. And that's that's what I believe is is holding a lot of us from a lot of us back, or should I say the church back from really seeing even more. It's because we don't want to fully embrace the objective truth. And that is it is it is objectively true that these things have not ceased. It is objectively true that as a matter of fact, if, if you want to make the argument that supernatural encounters no longer happen, I would just ask, well, where did they go? Like, mm. like when? when? when where and how like you you actually open yourself up to more questions that have no answers which actually leads people farther away from christ instead of closer to him because many people come to christ with their experiences and so what we can't start doing is start denying people not denying people their experiences simply because our doctrinal understanding is different from their experiences and so we we just we just want to we want them to come and deny their experiences their life literally their life experiences deny that except this truth that we read upon paper when really according to jesus he this paper was what glorified him the words that we read that, that jesus had mentioned to not only his disciples but to the pharisees where he said you know you you believe in these words, but these words are very same words that speak of me. And so we're kind of at this place, like I said, this tension where we have people who adhere to the word and the word alone, but Jesus is like, well, it's these words that point to me. And so we're seeing a lot of Christians today who only want to adhere to what the word, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, of course we should, we need to adhere to the word. But it's the word that tells us objectively that this is true. Mm. And so if you're going to tell me that I should not adhere to the word in this specific area because it makes you uncomfortable doctrinally, then maybe the person who needs to change their doctrine is not me, but it's you. Because you believe something that the Bible itself does not fully teach or even support. And so, I, like I said, I do believe that there's this tension in the body of Christ today where we're seeing specific groups and, you know, of course, and it's just doctrinally disagree, doctrinal disagreements um, in this area of supernatural encounters um, that are disagreeing with each other. And like I said, it causes more of a division. It causes more, more questions and answers because even if you don't want to say that supernatural encounters aka with 
the demonic happens or occurs. You have people who have near-death experiences every day. You have people who have experiences with new age every day, like, like you were saying before, people who practice astral projection. Many people do it every day. That's a supernatural encounter. Mm. You're, you're, that very act of leaving your body is not normal. It's not natural. Your body is a physical component. You leaving that physical component itself says that we live in a supernatural world. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to, to have any type of experience like that, where we call an outer body experience. You wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to have it. So if you're going to say that one aspect, which is demonic, is not of God or is not of the Bible, the Bible does not teach or it has ceased, well, then you have a completely different issue over here because mm -hmm. people are having outer body experiences or, or what we would call supernatural experiences with the occult. And you're acknowledging that over here, but you're saying this over here, the demonic, is not for today. So there's this there's this disconnect even with even with that because there are people who are having like I said before people who are having near death experiences people who are having out of body experiences people who are having um uh sleep paralysis like uh, uh like yeah. like uh, I usually say a lot and so we we have those instances and those experiences that people are having we can't if if we're gonna acknowledge that here we have we're forced to you're forced to acknowledge that this still happens over here, that demons still exist here. Right. And so, you know, like I said, I think it's inevitable. The church is going to be forced, Like we're going to be forced into this fight. It's, a, it's an inevitable, I don't want to call it a struggle. It's a struggle for most people, but it's an, it's an inevitable truth that where we are today in the body of Christ is we are going to be forced to acknowledge that the supernatural has not ceased that demonic encounters have not ceased and therefore it's still for today. Yeah. And, and it's uh, not, not to cut you off, but on that note, it's like, I mean, like I said, I experienced the, I experienced gifts of the supernatural when I was in new age, but right. that wasn't, that wasn't coming from God because I wasn't, you know, you can only have one of two masters. I wasn't mm -hmm. serving the God of the Bible. I wasn't serving Jesus. I was serving myself. I was serving astrology. And so with all, with all the, quote powers that I had that was given to me from the darkness. And so right. you mean you mean to tell me that Satan can give his army powers, but God can't give his, yeah. his body gifts? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just you're right. There's like a disconnect there. And mm -hmm. I really yeah. do pray people see that. Yeah, it's it's spiritual. The disconnect is it's supernatural because Jesus said Satan cannot cast out Satan, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're seeing uh, the, this, this obvious truth of supernatural occurrences that are in nature, not of God, if we're seeing someone cast out that, it would have to be in a completely different power. It can't be in the power of Satan that we're seeing these things occur. It would have to be from and of the power of God that we're seeing these things occur in terms of casting them out. And so I do believe that this fight that we're seeing in the body is, is going to cease <laughs> in this way. It's going to cease because it's everywhere. But this, like I said before, this generation that we're, we're in is the most supernaturally inquisitive generation that we've ever encountered. They're, they're going to have supernatural encounters, whether or not the church wants them to have supernatural encounters. 
they're going to acknowledge the presence of demons, whether the church wants them to acknowledge the presence of demons. Your kids and your friends and your family members, they have been exposed to demonic doctrines, demonic shows, demonic movies, demonic music, whether you wanted them to or not. So the quicker that we can acknowledge and accept this fact, the quicker we can get to work together and be united and say, this is bigger than just our doctrinal back and forth differences. We're seeing people who are being thrusted into the arms of Satan. Mm. They're, they're trapped. So unless we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and get over ourselves and love the word of God for what it says entirely and not just cherry pick certain verses and isolate them and say, well, this is because of that and that means that it is no longer for today. And like I said, even though there's no explicit objective scripture that points to that whatsoever, the faster we can see souls come into the kingdom of God. And my, I would make the argument is if we really do care about souls, though, according to, according to the book of Daniel, those who win souls are wise and Proverbs, those who win souls are wise. If we really don't care about the totality of the human soul, and what keeps the human soul in bondage? Can we really say we have the wisdom of God? Mm. No, we can't. We can't really say that we we love and honor and respect the wisdom of God if, according to God, those who really understand and have wisdom love to see souls get saved. We can't love to see souls get saved our way. We need to love to see get souls get saved God's way. And God's way is he wants the entire body, mind, and soul to be in full health, according to First John. Right? He's, John says, I pray that your whole body, soul, and spirit be in full health. And so if that's the case, if a soul is in bondage through demonic oppression, it can't be whole. It can't be healthy. We need to see the whole totality of the human framework, mind, body, soul, and spirit be set free. And if there are people who are in bondage and and whether it's new age or the occult or demonic oppression, if we're and which is all demonic oppression, really, if we're seeing people in demonic oppression in that way, then we need to pray and also do the work of God's kingdom and see these things happen, see people get set free. And God does that through us. So, you know, I, we, we can talk about that for hours, but <laughs> I do believe that we're seeing a turnaround and that God is going to do what he's going to do through those who want to see it happen, who want to see his kingdom come. And this is according to Jesus. This is the way, you know? Yeah. Now, as we, this is so good. As we start to like wrap up this first part, um, kind of like coming back around the barn to, it's funny because what we started with is not what we ended with. And I love that because I said that prayer, like Holy spirit, just move through us and tell, and tell the audience what you want to tell them. And that's just what happens. I love it. But I'm thinking about the beginning of our conversation, how we're talking about like Marxism and Darwinism and all these things. And just thinking to myself, how all of this is such a distraction, like, cause mm -hmm. they just, they just don't want us to not only witness anything supernatural with God, they don't want us to even get around to God. Yeah. And I just I don't know how people don't see that. It makes it it breaks my heart that secularists just don't grasp that and that they're so yeah. wrapped up in things like BLM and oh, it's the white man's religion. And yeah, 
oh, you're a racist because you said that yoga is evil, like things like that. You know what I mean? It's just, oh, that's, it's well, that's, that's easy. And, and Paul says, because the, the natural man cannot pertain or ascertain spiritual things, you know, the carnal man cannot accept spiritual things. And so when Paul says in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm. your mind is dead to God and it's not renewed. You're going to get stuck in BLM. You're going to get stuck in Marxism. You're going to get stuck in uh, white supremacy and critical race theory. You're going to get stuck because your mind's not renewed. You can only get free in Jesus for who the sun sets free is free. Indeed, you can you can only be set free with him. And of course, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who opens up your mind to see who Jesus is, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You, you're, you're shackled, you're enslaved, you're in bondage to sin. And so one of the reasons most secularists and atheists or um, you know, agnostic can't get around the truth of that is because their minds aren't renewed. They're they're hmm. literally their minds are literally dead. It's stuck in the mire, it's stuck in the mud. And the only way for them to see is if they come to Christ. And, you know, sometimes think even even I had that mindset of, you know, I need to understand before I believe where it's completely backwards. You need mm -hmm. to believe and then you'll understand, you know, and, and because it's the fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom. You come to the Lord first, you'll get everything else you want. You'll, you'll get understanding. You'll understand why the world is the way it is. You'll understand why culture is going in the way, direction that it's going in. You'll understand why politics is the way it is, why the government is the way it is, why people are the way they are, why we're having so much issues with, with schools and education system and transgenderism and gender ideologies and gender confusion and, and why the entertainment industry is the way it is. You'll understand it so much clearer when you come to Christ. Yep. There's, you know, a, there's, there's an actual answer there. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about all that kind of stuff in part two, just, you know, the fun sort of things like <laughs> where the transgender movement is leading. And um, I want to start kind of a segue to that by asking you, I'm pretty sure I know the answer given our the context of the conversation we just had, but do you think we're in the end times right now? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. With, without a doubt. I think with everything that we're seeing, um, specifically the conversation with we were headed in our post-human world right now, our post-human era. Um, because we're we're I don't want to say we're headed there. I would say we're we already have our our leg and our hands through the door. Mm. Um, specifically because when you look at what's going on with artificial intelligence and AI and chat GPT or just uh things with Elon Musk, right? I mean, I I, I can talk about Elon Musk all day. You know, when, when you talk about him. And everything surrounding him and his works, you can't deny that we're in the end times because we're seeing things kind of, I don't want to say we're seeing things kind of speed up. We're seeing things speed up in such a way where uh, I coined this phrase, I said, we're seeing politics and the supernatural collide like a freight, the natural and the supernatural collide like a freight train and there's nothing we can do about it. The because irony because trains are yeah. crashing everywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're that's that's where we're at. So if I do I believe we're in end times 110%. Yeah. Uh, me too. 
And we're going to talk more about that in the next episode, AI and transhumanism and Elon Musk and aliens, maybe talk about some CERN and all those fun things. Yeah. Um, b- before we go there, would you just do me the honor of leading the audience in prayer before we close out the first episode? A hundred percent. So Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you that it's through you that we we can see what is that is going on. We thank you for giving us the gift of your son. Your son who didn't just come to live a perfect life, but he came to be the propitiation for our sins. And his one perfect sacrifice for our sins, he sat down forever at the right hand of God, perfecting all those who come to him. And so, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for all that you have already done. We thank you that it has already been finished. We thank you, Lord, that there's nothing left to do but simply believe on to you simply follow you simply listen to the 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 voice of your spirit and so i just pray lord to for everyone who's been watching and listening god that your way will be done and that you will continue god to save as many people as you can i pray lord that you may bless this podcast that you may bless my sister and that you will continue to elevate her for your glory and for your glory alone i pray lord to everyone who's listening god that they may sense that urgency and they may sense that sense, oh God, from your spirit, that you are doing a great and marvelous work and that there's nothing to be afraid of, but that you are preparing your church, you're preparing people to be drawn to you by your spirit so they can accept the free gift that your son has given to them from that cross by his blood, being our Passover lamb, that all those who believe unto him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, Jesus, we just thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this day that you've given to us and this opportunity that we both have to not only talk about you, but to bring as many people closer to the foot of the cross so they can be set free and receive your grace. And we just thank you, God, for all that you have done and the access in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Kevin. That was amazing.